Hello, I'm Alison Small and welcome back to the Small Birth Project. Today, thank you very much for downloading this podcast and today's podcast is actually a little bit special as today I recorded the podcast on my due date. So by the time you actually listen to this, my baby will be out in the world and I hopefully will have baby home at this point. So I'm extremely excited and I'm extremely, I guess, um, in limbo. I don't know what's about to happen, um, but I feel like I probably couldn't be more prepared for what's really unpreparable. Um, and today I'm really excited because I decided to record my very good friend's, friend Sam's podcast today. And she is a very beautiful soul. Sam and I have only known each other for about two years and we met through one of my best friend, Emma. Um, I feel like though I've known Sam, I've, I've known Sam forever. Like she's just become such a close friend really very quickly and I just adore her. Sam and Emma are now partners and they are both very incredibly important in my life. Sam's story is extremely unique and I think it surprised both of us actually today how very emotional we both felt during the recording. Um, I know, I knew very little about Sam's birth story except that it ended in a cesarean um, but there is so much more to it than that and I feel that her story is so very important for those of us out there who may not be prepared for something that we don't necessarily want in our birth plan or, or birth uh, preparation or story. Sam's story is the very reason why I decided to start this kind of podcast. Um, I really hope you love Sam's honesty and transparency as much as I do. It was really so amazing to share her journey with me today. Let's listen to Sam's story. Hi, Sam. Hello. <laughs> How are you today? Very good, thank you. How was work? Good. Good day. Interesting, but good. Good. Um, Sam told me today that she started her day with a bit of a, an arsehole at the start of her day. My day's been completely different. It's been lovely and excellent because today's my due date. So I'm holding on to the baby until my doctor gets back tomorrow, and which was exciting so Sam could do her podcast today. So this one will be introduced to you guys probably after I've already had my baby. But um, as of today, baby can get here at any minute. So I can't wait. <laughs> so Sam's lucky to see me on my due date. Now, um, Sam, tell us a little bit about who you are, your family, what you do. So my name's Sam, obviously. Um, I have a five-year-old daughter whose name is Vader. Um, Vader's father and I are separated and I've been in a relationship with um, my beautiful partner, Emma, for the last two years. Um, I manage a retail store, um, love my job and extremely happy with my place in the world. Yeah. Things have gotten pretty amazing for you lately. As we said yesterday, like you're about to go on some really cool trips overseas. So it's about good stuff's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's jump straight in today and talk about, um, your pregnancy with Vader. So back in the day when you were with Matt, tell us a little bit about, did you decide to, um, were you actively trying to have a baby? Was it just something that happened? Were you married at the time? What was your situation? So we had been married. We got married in the April. Um, we moved to far north Queensland in the May. Um, it was a very impulse decision um, and we were set to be there for a year. When we got there, we decided that a year from June we would try for a baby. I went to the doctors up there and went off the pill in around October, November, 
just thinking I'd get my body ready because yep. I'd been on the pill for quite a few years. So I had heard that it takes a little while to fall pregnant, which I thought would happen to me. Um, Why did you think that? I think I was I was 30 and I just think all of that talk around age Biological and... Clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just thought I'd give myself a bit of time for my body to kind of get back to normal and you just never know. You'd, I think every woman has that thing where you just never know. Was having a baby something that you always knew? Did you always know you wanted to be a mum? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I wanted five kids. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. My God. Um, all right. So October, go off the pill? Yep. Then what happens? Um, we, Matt worked away, so we hardly saw each other and we had sex once after his work Christmas party, which was in December. And on New Year's Day, I woke up and realized that, holy shit, I'd spent the whole month of December without my period. And so you just hadn't even thought about it? No. Had you had a big drinking time during just Christmas and New Year? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and were you still in Far North Queensland? Like, what, did you come home yeah, for Christmas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No? no, no, no. I was still in Far North Queensland. I actually couldn't even get a hold of him to tell him that I was pregnant. I did three pregnancy tests in a row. The night before, I had drank three quarters of a bottle of tequila to myself <laughs> in margaritas <laughs> and played Uno with my next door neighbor and, yeah, really, really took me by surprise. I was so shocked. And so you're finding out you are pregnant. You did your three pregnancy tests. Did you – were you alone when you did that? Because I know you moved away, obviously, just the two of you. Yeah. Was were you, Did you feel isolated by that? 100%. I wasn't even happy. I was devastated. Okay. I was devastated. So even though you were going to start trying for kids, you were, it, it made you upset? Yeah. Why was that, do you reckon? Because I wasn't ready. I thought we'd start actively trying in the June and we just had sex once. And so it was a shock. Like, even though I was off the pill yeah. and I knew I would have a baby one day, it was still a massive shock. I just... <laughs> it astounds me, right? Like, because pregnancy is, to me, and obviously because I've had a journey... But it astounds me that people actually just fall pregnant like that. And I know this happens. I do. Because so many people I know that it happens to. But I just can't believe that one time. Yeah. One time. One time. Amazing. To the point where I had to try and remember, like, when was the time that we had sex? Like, what was it? Oh, that's right. It was his work Christmas party. He came back for one day and left. So, yeah. Very interesting. (laughs) The odds of that. Like, it just doesn't mean, like... It's so astounding. Yeah. So how did you how did you tell him? Um, he is a coal miner and works underground, so I had to call an office and get a message sent to him underground saying it was an emergency. Um, and when he called me, I just said, I'm pregnant. He was just silent on the other end of the phone because we both just really didn't expect it. Yeah. Yeah. And how long after that that you found out you are pregnant did he arrive home? Um, I think it was about... Three or four days. Oh, okay, so it wasn't a long time. It wasn't a long time. Um, but, yeah, it was just a shock. Even I rang my parents that were in New South Wales and I, it was just really, really weird. Like, no one was really excited because I think I put out the vibe that I was in shock. So it was yeah. a really strange announcement to yeah, people. Yeah, mm. And did you, from the beginning, apart from the fact that you realised you didn't have your period, you didn't have any other symptoms that indicated you could be pregnant? Nothing. Not a thing. 
And did your pregnancy continue that way? Like, did you have any other symptoms or side effects or you just literally went along being pregnant and just getting a belly and... Yeah, like, exactly. So I we stayed up in far north Queensland and I had a moped and I would <laughs> ride my moped to work every day and, it, like, I was three or four months pregnant and I would forget I was pregnant. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm pregnant. I should probably be really careful on the moped. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And so... Literally nothing. Morning sickness. Did nothing. you have sore boobs even? Yeah, my boobs did get a little bit sore, like a little, a little bit tender. But nothing more than like when you get your period. Like nothing crazy. I was hungry. That was the only thing. And tell everyone how hungry you got. <laughs> <laughs> I put on 29.5 kilos. I tell people 30 because I think that extra 500 grams, I should have the right to round it up to 30. <laughs> If you had a two more days, you might have put on that 500 grand. Exactly. I'm five foot one and a half. So, <laughs> so Sam was probably as tall as she was wide. <laughs> now, Sam's very svelte now, so it's so hard to imagine you even 29 and a half kilos heavier than you are. It's astounding. Yeah, my doctor kept looking at me and saying, healthy choices. <laughs> <laughs> Did your doctor weigh you? This yeah, time? every appointment. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. I, like, my doctor hasn't weighed me once, and I don't know whether that's because I, have just, I haven't blown out but it does a lot of doctors i know get they weigh you all the time yeah i had like the little card where they mark it off seriously yeah 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 and so did they did they think that you might have did you have gestational diabetes no, nothing oh my god i just discovered sweet food i'm a savory person like i love savory i don't eat sweets at all just because purely i don't like them yeah and the second i fell pregnant i discovered cakes it was like a new food group i wonder whether that's and i know there's so many old wives tales stuff as well because you had a girl i wonder whether there is a sweet and savory thing because i i crave constantly is is it was salty stuff and i'm a sweet tooth so i don't know whether you i don't know time will tell yeah (laughs) literally hours maybe yeah um but it always makes me wonder whether do you just crave what you don't normally have or do you crave something that is, is it a sex related thing? Like I'd always, I've researched it and looked at it, but there's so much shit on the internet. Like oh, you just don't really know what there, there is. is there the, for me, it was the excitement of a new food group because I've never enjoyed sugar. Yeah. So oh the God, fact I that I was, that was me. Oh, oh, God. the fact that I was really enjoying it was like my favorite thing to do every day was to go to the cake shop. Favorite <laughs> thing. What am I going to choose? Like it was the highlight. Has it made you say after having the baby did that just go away or have you has it made you appreciate sweet food no i asked my doctor because i was done to panic a bit that if it didn't go away i would put on another 20 kilos (laughs) (laughs) oh and he said to me on like day three uh, it should go and i was like how does he know that day three post the baby yeah 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 and then um on day three in hospital they came around with morning tea which was like a banana cake and a cup of tea which I'd been loving the previous two days. And I said, do you have any Jats and cheese? And I was like, yes, I'm back. <laughs> Literally. And that was it. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Three days after she was born. Man, that's so weird. Because I have, probably haven't had cravings enough that is something that would hang over. Like I just, apart from really cold things, but I, there's not really anything that I think that I am desperate to let go of or anything like that. Yeah. God, that's weird. Yeah, that's so weird. I still love that it's 29 and a half kilos. <laughs> um, okay, so travel through your pregnancy quite easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you... only, the only thing I had was really low blood pressure. Okay. So I fainted, oh. like, quite a few times. Right. So my like I, Yeah, I have low blood pressure normally. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, and it went really, really low when I was pregnant and I if I was standing up for too long. So 
I fainted in Coles and Woolies a few times. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which wow. is a bit scary. Oh, well, it is scary because when you fall, if there's no one there to grab you, then you don't yeah. know which direction you're falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can... My doctor was really worried about me cracking my head. Like, that was yeah. his concern. Like, my oh, concern was the baby. I was going to say, yeah, I was squashing the baby. Yeah, and his concern was, like, if we just don't need you to get a head injury. So, Or kill the baby. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I'm like, or kill the baby. Wow. So, that's crazy. That was, like, that my only complaint. And I got headaches. But I'm a headachey person, yeah. So it was like amplified. Well, I guess that I guess hormonally, even say when we get our periods and stuff, your hormones can tend to exacerbate that anyway. Exactly. So it was okay. That so was that my only two. You really got complaints. away quite, quite good, didn't you? Very good. And so then, tell me, moving through that, then, um, did you, by the time Vader was due to be born, did you come back to New South Wales, or were you still? Did you have her up north? No, no, no. So um, Matt Matt had a contract up there, so he was locked in for a year. I um, was a vet nurse at the time and a pregnant vet nurse is a useless vet nurse really because there's a lot of there's just a lot of things you can't do so you can't handle kitty litter you can't do x-rays um you can't lift heavy things there's a lot of drugs that you can't touch really Um, yeah yeah because a lot of animal drugs are the same as human drugs so and the vet clinic I worked up worked at up there was the major vet hospital so we did everything from cancer treatment to um, you know, like major surgery on like osteo and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. um, I left and I actually came back to New South Wales on my own and did the last five months of my pregnancy with Matt in Queensland and me down here. Okay. Was that weird? It was... You're very... pretty independent though, so it's... Yeah, it was, um, it was just hard because the people that I bounced off were people that I wouldn't normally bounce off in my like normal life, which it which should have been him and it would have been him, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. So I guess you start picking up information and ideas and opinions from people that if Matt was there, otherwise I wouldn't have kind of taken on board. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was hard, but I just thought that was what I had to do. So I did it. And did you decide to go public or private to have Vader once you got back to New South Wales? No, we we're always going to go private. Like when we got married, we upped our health insurance to yeah. like the pregnancy mm-hmm. premium or whatever it is. Um, we're always going to go private because I had heard of some stories with public and this sounds like a, I'm a real diva, but I just really wanted my own room. No, not, not at all. Because everyone that I've spoken to, even today I was saying, <laughs> I got my legs back today and I was even saying to the, the chick there, the one thing I want out of having a baby my first baby especially is that I want my own bathroom yeah so I think there's so many gross things you have to deal with after you have a baby that the idea of sharing a bathroom or having to wait to go to the bathroom I think is something that I didn't want to deal with so and also too I imagine you you get a lot of people coming in and visiting you and I don't I'm conscious of other people too like I, I wouldn't want to disrupt other people totally but I also don't know I was saying today I don't know whether maybe my second I might go public it just depends on what kind of situation you have and I mean as we'll get to your situation ended up being quite dramatic and so it's probably better that you had gone how you had done that firstly to have the support of the doctors and secondly to be alone in a room and recover oh absolutely and I think as well I really place a lot of importance on like that enclosed space with me Matt and the baby like I didn't want to share that with anyone me too me too that was important to me yeah same and so did you were you up here or were you down in Sydney when you had the baby? Um, down here, uh, as in Central Coast? Yes. So, no, um, we lived at 
here in Edelong and okay. I, um, my doctor was out of the sand at Warunga. So, at Warunga? Yeah. So Sick. this doctor, he'd been a gyno for me for other issues throughout my life. Right. Um, and I felt really comfortable with him and he was a really well-known obstetrician and he delivered all my sister's babies. Were you not concerned that you would get to Sydney in time? Because we, where we live is where an hour and a half north of Sydney. So did you have to have the baby at the sand? Yeah, so um, it was about a 50-minute drive from our house. Oh, right, because end of the freeway. Yeah, end of the freeway. So, but, so it didn't concern you that that 50 minutes was part of the journey? I didn't journey? think about it. No, like, I, I really didn't. I look okay. back at some things and I'm like, I would really think about that a lot more now <laughs> that I'm a bit older and a bit more experienced. Yeah. Like, like I said, I went through my whole pregnancy not even feeling pregnant until I just got bigger and bigger. So I wasn't yeah. – I look back and I really wasn't in tune with – myself and everything that was going on Hmm. it's like it just happened to me yeah well it did yeah (laughs) and so once you were home and everything started to happen so was Matt back by the time that you were due to deliver or or when your due date was coming about Matt came back from Queensland two weeks before I was due oh my god and then went on a snow trip to the backcountry in the snow good good for five days (sighs) So six days before my due date. Two weeks out from having the baby, I told my husband that he wasn't allowed to drink anymore because of the fact that I wanted to have a drive me to the hospital, which is six minutes away. <laughs> As you can imagine, he still had a couple of drinks. But at the end of the day, like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I know they say, like, your first baby you tend to go over with, but who? Like, my sister was four weeks early with her first. I know. God, who knows what can happen? I know. Boys are silly. Boys are so silly. That's why I'm with a woman. <laughs> That's not the only reason. She's fabulous. <laughs> um, so, okay, so what were the first signs of you? So I take it Matt got back in time, but what, yeah. what were your first signs of labour? Oh, it was very, very plain and clear. On my due date, my due date was the 4th of September. Yeah. On my due date, we thought we would go out for lunch down to Terrigal, which is like really busy tourist area. So we went to a Thai restaurant. And at about 12.30, in the middle of Terrigal Promenade, eating soft-shell crab, really spicy. It was amazing. <laughs> so on my last <laughs> mouthful, my waters broke. On the Esplanade at Terrigal? Yeah, at a restaurant. <laughs> You're the first one who's had a movie water break for me. Yeah. That is so cool. The midwives loved it. They kept coming up to me and saying, were you the one whose waters broke at lunch? <laughs> So were you literally sitting in the chair and they just came out from under you? Yeah. And what were you wearing? I know it sounds like it's such no, a good no, no. question. What, what did you have on? This is like, everybody asked me this. Um, so I had on, oh, I was quite large, so everything was like. <laughs> a those, moo-moo? They, no, those really <laughs> tight, stretchy dresses. Yeah. You wear them. Yes, the, yes, like yes. The, stri- the stripy one. Yeah. It was even stripy, but it was um like a long one of those, so down to the ankles. Because it was obviously beginning of spring, so it was a bit cool. Yeah, so I had that on, but it was spaghetti straps, so tight down to the ankles, and I had like a cardigan-y kind of jacket with me. Was it black? The dress was yes. black and cream stripes, and <laughs> the cardigan was black. Oh, my God. So it Did was... you think you were wedding yourself? No. People say <laughs> that. I don't think it feels like that. Because it... Yeah, well, it's coming from a different hole. Like, firstly. yeah, exactly. So no, it didn't feel like that. Um, and 
I started laughing because I just couldn't believe it. Even now, I like get embarrassed thinking about it. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> so I said to Matt, "Shit, my water's just broke like right now." He is a naturally very nervy person, so he like fled the table and ran in and paid and told the waitresses that was Thai restaurant told the waitresses that my water had just broken and I could just hear them all fussing and I'm thinking oh god like let's just try and get through this so I just said to him go and get the car the car had towels in it go and get the car come back and get me so I got up I had to cross the road so I shuffled I tied the cardigan around my waist and I shuffled like oh my god this all the way down to the pedestrian crossing Shuffled across. Did the, did the water continue to come yes, out? Yes, yes. No one told you that. No one told me that. Oh, my God. I thought it came out and then it was done. No, no. It did you know that? Yeah, I know it continues to come out, yeah. <sighs> because it can, the baby's the baby's in the way. So when your, water's, when your full waters break, the baby is obviously all tucked up in a ball in there. So the waters are continually coming away from the spaces around the baby. So the base of the water breaks and then it has to still continue to trickle out. Yeah, well, I know that now. <laughs> I didn't even know that that was like the whole process behind it. <laughs> Why didn't I know you back then? <laughs> I would have run you. So he went and got the car. And the thing I remember most about this moment was that it was so obvious that something was wrong because of the way I was walking and because of how big I was. And not one single person asked me if I was okay. Not one. Do you know that... If that astounds me right, because I went, as a random side story, we'll get back to Sam in a minute, I went, was, before Christmas, was urgently running around doing Christmas shopping, and I ducked into Maya to look for something, I think a shirt for Greg, and I must have looked like I was, because as you said to me about the stairs, like I was a bit breathless, so as I'm walking, I must have looked very serious, and this lady's standing there, really casually, like, slowly eating peanuts and she's popping a peanut into her mouth and popping a peanut and like she's staring at me like with like a sideways glance and and I sort of you know when you double take at someone because like do I know them like that because she was staring at me like uh, with recognition yeah and I was like and she was like are you okay and I was like um yeah why and she was like are you holding your breath and I'm like I don't know I don't know maybe I don't know I'm just rushing about getting my Christmas presents and she goes you're not in labor are you and I was like (laughs) no nothing to know of and she just continues like do you know what you're having like was this random per-? and I was like do I know you and she's like no no I'm just watching you and I just you're obviously pregnant very pregnant I'm like it was so weird so even this random lady asking me yeah. whilst eating peanuts casually yeah. <laughs> it's so weird yeah not a single person not a single person and I made my way over to the um surf club public toilet which have toilet paper that are those tiny squares mm Good. Useless. Yeah. Completely useless. Anytime you even try and pull one of those squares out to dry your hands, it's like, oh. it, it just gets stuck to your hands. Oh, so bad. I was like, of all the places. <laughs> you must have had like residual paper in oh, the I was like, <laughs> like, ripping it out like a crazy person. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, got in the car, went home, had a shower, got out of the shower and was like, it's still leaking. Like, what's happening? So what did you do? So rang this, the, I rang the hospital. No, 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 sorry. This sounds really silly, but no. in regards to the waters, yeah. I'm always, as I've said to you, I'm going to have my waters break in bed so I've got my great mattress protector and then I've got a towel <laughs> beside my bed so I can shuffle to the bathroom and ensure no, no waters get on my new, my clean carpet. Um, but what do you do? Like, when your waters are still coming out, do you put a pad on? Do you have, just oh, have a useless. towel? Oh, it's You have to put a new one. Like, the way mine came out was I would put a pad on and it would last 10 minutes. 
So I feel like I should just have towels handy. To yeah. So just we had sop it up. Yeah. Towels are good. <laughs> All right. So good. you call the hospital. And they, did you have any pain at this point? No. Okay. Nothing. I thought it was weird. I couldn't stop laughing. Like, I must <laughs> have been nervous laughter because no, I was I'll like the same. I reckon. And because I was like, great. I'm one of those people. Like the movies. Like my water's broken at a restaurant <laughs> in the middle of the day, and no yeah. one helped me. Like, and you are four percent of the population that's, that that baby starts to come on your due date. Like it's so rare. For yeah. Babies to be born even on your that. Due date. I was like, this is so funny. <laughs> so then I rang the hospital, and they were like, come straight in. And I was like, oh, why? Like I didn't realize. I sound like really clueless. I feel like now I'm saying all this out loud, but I didn't realize that as soon as your waters break, you have to go straight to hospital. Yeah. So, um, so it was 12 o'clock, 12, 12 my waters broke. We got to the hospital at about two 30. Cause by the time we got home, like I just didn't feel like I was in pain. So I was like Mosing along. feeding the cats and <laughs> giving them a little pat. And I think I had two showers maybe yeah. and packed some snacks. Just like cruising. Did you have your hospital bag ready to go? All that stuff ready to go? Yeah. Yeah, I did have the hospital bag ready to go. Yeah. I just didn't feel like it was a matter of urgency. Like, I didn't feel panicked or anything. Yeah. I was a very relaxed pregnant person. Yeah. I wish I could go back to that. Mm. Not being pregnant, but being relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're too much like me. We're way too hard to swung for oh, that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so I rang the hospital and we got to the hospital at about 2.30. Yep. Checked in and they just run some, like, observations and just said... You just got to wait until you get contractions. I was really bored, so I just got some cookies and a cup of tea and went outside and sat in the sun. And they told me to. They were like, "Go and enjoy the outside. You're going to be inside for another few days." So. It was just Matt just hanging about with you, or yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's such a weird thing to stuff. making calls. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things too when your water breaks and you're not technically in pain or in labour, and like because my hospital said to wait till you can't talk through a contraction, assuming my waters haven't broken. But it is one of those things that you would really probably prefer to be at home and just chill out and start oh, to labour. I was so bored. Yeah. And you didn't have any meconium or anything in your waters. It was all clear or ready no, to go. All clear. And so they checked the baby, obviously, and she was all good, happy. Yeah. Did you know you were having a girl? Not factually. Yeah. But spiritually I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so um, how long then until after 2.30 arriving and being settled in, how long then until something more started to happen and progress and what was it about 6 30 started to get like really mild contractions and then now have you have you had brax did you had had you had braxton hicks through pregnancy nope okay told you i didn't feel pregnant i know, <laughs> I know but still you never know like you never know yeah true Sorry. Um, yeah no mild, none, of the, none of that mild contractions no yeah so mild contractions about 6 30 um and then they kind of got a bit more intense, so I like had a bath and then got really hot and sweaty in the bath and got out and then wanted to get back in. Like, it was this... Was there an option of a water birth at the sand? No. Okay. No, no one ever even said that out loud to me. Yeah. Um, and then at about 9.30, they were, the contractions were getting pretty intense, um, like manageable. Like, I did a lot of walking around. I feel like I paced that room until I couldn't anymore. Yeah. And then, did, you, did you feel compelled to do that? Like, is that what your body needed? Like, did yeah. you need to pace? I could not sit down or lay down or anything. Like, I just had to keep walking and moving. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I was in the shower or the bath. Yeah. And then... The contractions got a lot worse, but I wasn't... Like, I got to four centimetres and then that was it from, like, 930 Mm-hmm. until about 3.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I said, 
they said to me, you, the contractions are crazy, like really quite intense, but you're still not dilating. What do you want to do? Yeah. Um, and I'd um denied about an epidural since about 1am. Going into labour, it was not what I wanted at all. But the pain was so bad and I was only four centimetres. Yeah. And midwives are saying to me, like, if you still don't dilate, at least with an epidural, you'll be able to rest. Yep. And so by that point, I was like, okay. So they called the anaesthetist in and he came in at about 3.30 and put the epidural in and left the hospital. Now, can you tell us, because we discussed this a moment ago, how many times did it take them to get the epidural in? Well, this this was the first attempt. Yeah. And he thought it was in and in the right place and that everything was fine and that's why he went home. Yeah. An hour later, I was still walking around. I could feel everything. Um, so that was at about 4.30. Another hour later. Oh, so, sorry. It's kind of all coming back to me, but the midwives... So, so I was going to say, did the nurses kind of go, you should be walking around, this hasn't worked? Yeah, so they kept... So, with the epidural, they put it into the space where it's supposed to be. And because I could feel everything, they thought that they I hadn't had enough of the drug. Right. So they just kept administering more of the drug. But the drug wasn't going into the spot that it was supposed to go into. So I was feeling really off my face, like a bit out of it. Yeah. Because I had all this weird drug in my system. Yeah. But I could still walk. I could pick my legs up and um, could feel everything. And the contractions were, like, obviously getting worse and worse. Four and a half centimetres was as much as I dilated. Okay. Um, and I started to get really distressed because I was in pain and the epidural hadn't worked and they called the anaesthetist back. What um, time would have that been, do you know? That was 5.30. Okay. Um, and so by this point, you're close to being awake for 24 hours almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when he came in around that time, I had a really bad hemorrhage. Is it the same guy? Yeah. And he kind of looked at the midwives and just said, call the doctor. Matt, at this point, was borderline hysterical, and I actually heard him <laughs> abusing one of the midwives to call the doctor. Um, and when my doctor came in at 6 a.m., I'll never forget it, he was furious that he hadn't been called earlier because of my situation. The second person who had said this to me, that the doctor wasn't called sooner. Yeah, furious, and he took one look at me and examined me, and that's how I knew I'd hemorrhage, because he said it. He was like... She's got um... <laughs> Please excuse Chewy. He's rolling around on the lawn, enjoying himself. <laughs> That's why he's barking. I know. He's objecting to my situation. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, and the doctor was furious and he said she's goddamn hemorrhaged. Um, and so did you feel that blood coming out? No. Then? No. So, okay, right. Um, were you on the bed or were you still walking I was around? on the bed then and I, the midwives were trying to make me not move because... I had so much of the drug in me and I was so, I was so out of it. Yeah. Um, and I just remember he threw his tie over his shoulder and came up really close to my face and said, we're going to have to do an emergency cesarean. You're only four and a half centimetres. We think the baby's going to go into distress because you're so distressed and you've hemorrhaged, so there's just too much risk happening here. Yeah. So they wheeled me off. Um, I was devastated. I couldn't stop crying. Like, really, really devastated. So before which we didn't discuss before, but with your, you said you didn't want any drugs. So was your basic plan like most people's to go in preferably no drugs, preferably a natural birth. Was there any really, were you really specific about what you wanted? No, that's you, all I wanted. Just I, people would say, what's your birth plan? And I was like, I don't have a plan because I know things don't go to plan. Yeah. But I wanted a natural birth and I wanted no drugs. That was like, that was all. Yeah. Um, 
So it never even crossed my mind that I could have an emergency cesarean. Yeah. So I was really devastated. I couldn't stop crying. I felt like a baby. Uh, <laughs> um, and then they wheeled me in and went and got Matt set up and they went to put the spinal block in. So they went for spinal block this time, not – they didn't try to fix your epidural? No. Okay. They went to put the spinal block in and they put it in and it didn't work. So it, they tried <clears throat> three times um, and then they sent Matt out of the room and got a different anaesthetist. So this is my third anaesthetist by this time. So I had the first guy with the epidural, yep. a different one for a spinal block. He couldn't get the right spot three times. They called in a third guy and they sent everybody out of the room except one nurse and my doctor. Right. Um, why, he, do they, why, why do they do that though? I think the pressure, like I think it's just too much happening and yeah. um, they're calling me like a special case, so I don't know. Were you in a, can I ask, were you in a seated position? Um, yeah, seated like over the leaning side forward. of the bed, leaning over. Did at any point they ever get you to lay on your side and do it? No. Okay. Um, I think because I was having contractions, so they had to try and time it between contractions. A couple of things I've listened to is that um, a lot of women when they're in that for some reason when they are actually in that seated position the doctors seem to uh, the anesthetists seem to miss the spot and when women some, sometimes roll onto their side and have it administered that way it can be much easier hmm. and so i happened to a girlfriend of mine and she um during her first labor that's how they ended up getting it right and during her second labor, she said to them, I need to roll on my side for you. Because I had tried it a couple of times and it didn't work. She said, I have to be on my side. And they were like, no, no, this is how we do it. She's like, I have to be on my side. And the moment that she got on her side, they did it. So I do Amazing. wonder, like, I mean, an, like anatomy, um, like our biomechanics are so interesting that I do wonder whether sometimes you have to change positions for it to work. Totally. Or like different people's bodies. Like. Yeah. So they kick everyone out. So they kick everyone out, which was devastating because... Then I felt more alone than ever. Yeah. Was your um, doctor supportive during this time? Yeah. But the, the one nurse that was with me, like, wheeling me down and stuff, she was beautiful. Like, I just feel like I owe my whole life to her. And mm. she kept checking in with me because by this point I was really, really out of it from the epidural. Like, so, ma- so, so many drugs stuff, yeah. in my system. And um, I remember when they wheeled me in, they said, do you know what you're here for? Like, I was that out of it. Oh, God. And I was like yeah like I was they kept asking me what's your name and all all these kind of questions and um the only reason I knew what I was there for was because I looked down and saw my stomach so I mentally had like was so out of it yeah I didn't know that I was going in to have a baby yeah um and then he tried twice and couldn't get it and he just said to my doctor so I'm how gonna... is this now so this is seven mm-hmm. so I had the epidural guy tried tried twice spinal block three times this guy tried twice and then he said, if I can't get it this time, we have to give her a general anesthetic. Oh, gosh. And the fear of that, I think I just willed it to happen. Yeah. Because that was the last thing I would have yeah. ever wanted. Yeah. Um, and he got it in. And everyone did a happy dance. And I was like, yes, finally. So in total, that was nine times. I think it was eight, eight or nine. Yeah. But it was a, a lot of... Um, that's insane. Yeah. And so did really from that, did you have any residual back issues afterwards? Uh, 100%. Oh, really? Yeah. I couldn't walk after I had Vader for two and a half days. Like in a wheelchair not walking? Like in a wheelchair not walking. Like could you not feel your legs or was your back pain so bad that you just couldn't physically walk? There was a lot of numbness in um, 
like a lot of areas and my sciatic nerves were just shot it was just there was a lot of issues I had to have um like a physio come to my house after going home three times a week to try and get my body and my spine and all the nerves working again that's insane yeah so they finally get spinal block in yep that they asked Matt and everyone to come back in yep they do the cesarean yeah it was about it was that feeling like it was I I remember it was 751 when they got the spinal block in and my doctor said to me 751 a.m yeah my doctor said to me you'll have a baby by 8 a.m yeah um and then when everyone came back in you just feel like you're a soul and that's it you don't you're not attached to your body you can't feel anything you can't see anything the screens go up and you were still dosed up on a shitload of drugs. Dosed up on a shitload of drugs. It's really busy. There's like suddenly ten people in the room, and it's heaps of like fussing around. And are they fussing and serious, or are they fussing and excitable? Like what was no, the time mine was the room? very serious. Yeah, very very serious. Um, it was scary. Like I remember feeling so like. So can I just go back? Five thirty a.m. is when you're hemorrhaged. Is that right? Yeah. So this is a really long time as well that for, for a hemorrhage. I imagine they were monitoring the baby, but yeah. that's really intense. Yeah. It felt like five days. Yeah. It was crazy. That's insane. You right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. It's like you feel so out of control mm. of your own body and your own baby fucking scary like you just yeah like I just remember feeling like I was just a head and a and a soul and the rest was it didn't, just didn't belong to me could you communicate to that to Matt or anyone at the time oh, it was very blurry like really quite blurry um and Matt kept wanting to hold my hand but I kept telling him to go down and to the other end but he wouldn't he wouldn't leave me yeah would he have been allowed to watch? Is that what you mean? Yeah, they can. They can. They said, "Do you want to watch?" And he was like, "No." Yeah, I think, and I'm so glad he didn't because I had felt so alone in that hour before. Yeah, but yeah, it just was very, very blurry. Very, it was shit. Yeah, and then they pulled her out. Was she and was she perfectly fine? Was she okay? She was fine, and they didn't tell me to a later date that she actually had the cord wrapped around her neck. So, so that's why she weren't. She was she coming was, down. She was never coming down. Um, <clears throat> she was at, like totally fine, and we had like a list of about ten girls' names, but I had one name. Like Vader was always my favorite, but it was just Matt coming around to it. Yeah, he wasn't sold on it, and then. As soon as they pulled her out, he picked her up and said, here's your Vader. So. And imagine yeah. that's one of those things too, when seeing someone you love go through such a serious, frightening thing that small things don't matter off that yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. About a week later, I said, oh my gosh, we didn't even discuss the name. You just said it's a Vader and I'll never forget it. It's one of the nicest things he's ever said to me. He said, after what you went through, if you wanted to call it King Kong, I would have said, Okay. <laughs> I think Vader's a bit nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 
I'm just gonna get with tissues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, get tissues. <clears throat> oh my god. I am due today. You can't cry like this because I have no control of my emotions. <laughs> it's just water coming out of your eyes. It's not water coming out of the hoo-ha. It's all good. Yeah. Oh my god. <sighs> wow. So, and I mean, the fact that this stuff is so comes back to you so strongly. Like it's people don't think. I don't think people realize how. Um, how not necessarily PTSD, which I think this is for you more so because there was such a tra- trauma. Yeah, but how definitely. desperately a trauma affects you five years later. Oh, I mean? totally. Still so, still so. I think that's why I've been putting off doing this podcast yeah. <laughs> until like literally the last possible day. <laughs> literally the last day. Because I knew it's <clears throat> the mind's a very powerful thing, and I think I've blocked a lot of it out. Yeah, I know I've blocked a lot of it out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so very traumatic ride yeah and so then you have your baby yeah do they allow her to be on your chest or yeah do they take they, her away no they put her on straight away um only for a very short time though because obviously they had to stitch me up yeah um and then yeah it was probably about two or three minutes yeah um and then they took her away and i t- told matt to go with them yeah. i said go and be with her like i'm fine now the yeah. baby's out I'll be fine. Yeah. So he went off with um, the nurses to go and get her weighed and I don't know, whatever they do. Yeah. And missed all that. Little checker. Um, and yeah, and then my doctor started stitching me up and like it was like such a different feeling then. I think because the relief that she was out and okay, yeah. um, I really came to a lot. It's like suddenly feeling sober when something traumatic happens when yeah. you're drunk yeah. kind of thing. You just yeah, suddenly... Yeah. Um, that's a really good that's a really good explanation of it isn't it yeah yeah that's exactly how it felt because suddenly I was felt so much more with it and I was talking a lot more and asking a lot of questions and um being a qualified vet nurse I'm very interested in blood and guts and gore (laughs) and stuff so I actually asked my doctor how many layers of sutures he was doing on my cesarean what did he say he said in my 34 years of being an obstetrician no one's ever asked me that (laughs) Do you really want to know? And I said, yes. And he said, seven. Seven. Seven layers of sutures. I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have, th- I would have thought there'd be four. Yeah, three or four. Yeah. Seven. Wow. And I said, tell them all to me. And I can't remember all of them. That's but a lot of work for them, isn't lot, it? It's a lot, yeah. And a lot of, it just goes to show you how Caesars are massive, major surgery. Massive. And even, like, after he said that to me, I was like, far out how hard it would be to get the exact spot to cut through the exact position of the muscle and all of this sort of stuff like it's incredible yeah um yeah so seven layers of sutures and i said well make sure you make it neat (laughs) (laughs) do a good job i'm a vet nurse i know what stitches (laughs) look like all right (laughs) um yeah and then he pieced me back together and um they wheeled me off to recovery for a while and one of the nurses a male nurse I remember like being really off my face and like on morphine and stuff and I was flirting with him. Like, <laughs> like just, I remember feeling like, what am I doing? This is not me. I just had a baby. Um, yeah. And then I think it was about an hour in total of being away from Vader. Mm-hmm. And then they took me back up to my room, brought her in. Um, 
and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move. So all I could do, like, they had to put her on me. Like, you feel so, I felt like a cripple. Like, yeah. bring her over to me. It was really still very much so out of control. Were you laying mostly flat or were you slightly elevated at that point? Um, you have to be elevated because they are really um, cautious of getting, like, thrombosis in your legs. Yeah. So you have you have these horrible, disgusting braces attached to your legs. You have a catheter so that you can urinate. Um, Yeah, so, like, the bottom half of your body is just a train wreck, really. And I know you haven't got anything to compare it to, but do you still bleed a lot with a cesarean as well? Yes. I was really... (laughs) Again, I was really surprised by that. Um, equally as much as having well, it's all got to come out, I guess. I know, I know. But I know later on, I thought that question to yeah. ask, but I've never actually asked anyone before, like about yeah, how long you bleed for? Because that was something that really shocked me. Like, and I even said to the midwife, "Oh, I kind of didn't think it would be like that for me because I had a cesarean." Yeah. And she said to me as well because I went through labour for so long, my body was doing all the things that it short thought it should do. Yeah. Um. So it's just kind of the aftermath of that. Okay. And so how long, so you said for two days after that, you basically couldn't walk. You didn't feel good in a wheelchair. Yeah. I, they didn't even give me a shower until oh my she was born. At God. I can't tell you. I, that's all I kept saying. Can I have a shower? No. Can I have a shower? No. Two days. Oh my God. Plus the day before I, that I'd been in labor all day. So three days. Oh, you'd had two showers when you walked. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was horrible. I'm such a. Oh, it's a clean freak and yeah. it was horrible and even when I had the shower it had to be on a sit down chair oh god it was really really demoralising yeah. feeling so I felt like a 90 year old woman yeah and you know you see all these mums that have natural births and things go well and they're like walking up and down the corridor wheeling their babies and I just was laying there like seriously like a crippled person and so. did you find that there was grief for you over having to have a caesar and not have a natural birth yep and people kept saying to me it doesn't matter as long as the baby's okay yeah which is like unfortunately that is the absolute truth it is the absolute truth but i was like but this is how i feel yeah um on the second day no on the third day because i obviously was suffering from a lot of like post-traumatic stress disorder which led to severe anxiety and I just wasn't sleeping at all. So on the third day, the head midwife, her name was Heather, I'll never forget her, she came around and said, so you're not sleeping because we come in at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're awake and we come in at 8 a.m. and you're awake. And I said, yep, but I'm fine. I'm doing a good job. Like I was only happy when Vader was awake and I was feeding her and I was doing all the things that I should be doing. But as soon as she went to sleep, I was really not in a good way so they said that we're going to send a counsellor around to come and talk to you that's amazing so um so yeah i ended up being in hospital for 11 days 11 days yeah because my recovery was so slow yeah um well do you think it was slow too because you weren't mentally coping yep definitely um and they knew that. They they said to me, we know you don't have postnatal depression. Yeah. Because you're the happiest when she's awake and you're... I would just stare at her and wait for her to wake up so I could do a job. Yeah. Like, I'm, I've got a job now. I'm a mum. I know how to do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they sent around a counsellor and she had a chat to me and we kind of worked out what was going on. And 
Um, she, she, she came and saw me every day. Um, I'd have physio every day to get walking and moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And how did you feel... Like, I want to go touch back on breastfeeding in a minute, yeah. but how did you feel going home once you'd sort of had that 11 days and everyone trying to help you and know that there was something going on and really being aware, making you aware of the PTSD and the trauma of it? Did you feel 11 days going home? Did you feel petrified. better? No, yeah, you felt, felt petrified. petrified. Didn't want to go. I begged them and said, can I please stay? And they said, no. <laughs> it's time to It's go. not a hotel. <laughs> um, what were you afraid of? Like, just my mental state when she was asleep. Mm. I just was having nightmares and if I closed my eyes, all I could think of was the labour and it scared the fuck out of me. Really? Yeah. It's like your worst nightmare every time you close your eyes. It was pretty bad. So they they were great. They set me up with, like, they organised a psychologist in my area. Well, they organised three psychologists in my area in case I didn't like one of the one or two of them. Mm. They organised this physio that would come to my house and set up her own table. Like, they, I think that was one of the other reasons I was in there for so long because they spent so much time organising my life for when I left. Yeah. Which was absolutely incredible. And did you use a psychologist when you got home? Yep. And did they ever suggest medication for you? No. Because they knew it was purely yeah. what you'd just gone through as yeah. a trauma. Yeah. And how long do you find that your postnatal recovery mentally did you feel better? Six months. Seriously? Yeah. What a hard road as a first time mum. Yeah. And what about physically? Ugh, longer. Uh, probably about the same. And this is where I think it's so funny because you're... I mean, mind-body connection is so, right. so massive. That's right. So it was about the same. Like, yeah. I felt like at around the six-month point, I could start exercising. And Did you feel that, because you gained a lot of weight, did you feel that that started to, did your weight decrease or did you continue to, obviously that wasn't a priority, but how did, did you physically change during that time? Or yeah. Did... I'm one of those people that when I get anxious, I just have no appetite. Yeah. But I was breastfeeding at the same time, so it was a real mixture because um, breastfeeding makes you hungry, doesn't it? Starving, yeah, like a man, like man-sized food. <laughs> um, but I lost sixteen kilos in the first three weeks. Oh my god! So half of it, yeah. Um, and then in that those few months, I didn't even try. I didn't think about it. Yeah. I think because I was my brain was so anxious and I was breastfeeding so much, it just fell off me. There was when I started exercising, I had about five kilos of unwanted weight. God. The rest of it. It's like the universe saying, okay, you don't have to worry about your weight because you went through something really shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm. And so you were saying that you basically would wait for her to wake up so you could feed her. And so as far as the breastfeeding goes, did you find that something that just came naturally to you i'm assuming you always wanted to breastfeed but did it just come naturally were you happy did you have issues oh my gosh i was the best breastfeeder ever (laughs) all the midwives were like you could feed every baby in this hospital so you had really good so like so much milk as well the the only problem i had was my boobs got so engorged in hospital yeah gosh this is all coming back to me they were so engorged like so massive and huge that the midwives i'd like be sitting in a chair and the midwives would come with pots of olive oil 
and massage my boobs to try and like soften them. And then I would have to put ice packs on was my milk, boobs. It was milk when they were massaging boobs. Was milk coming out at that point as well? Like no, was it wasn't squirting out or anything. No, it was just like she couldn't even latch on because it was like imagine a shiny bowling ball. Like, how do you feed from that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so they would massage my boobs, and then I'd have to sit there with ice packs on my boobs, but it was freezing. So then I'd have a heated blanket over me. <laughs> And so, so they, do they encourage you to express during those times to try and help for letdown? Yeah. 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 So that's why I had enough milk to feed an army. baby in the hospital. And <laughs> a baby like, army? Oh, a baby army. Yeah. And the midwives used to say to me, you went through something so shit with your labor that breastfeeding has gift. been given to you as a gift. Yeah. Because they, like on the fourth day, they took me into the session of like the breastfeeding session for the yeah. new mums. And I was like the guinea pig of what to do. I, I didn't even... They didn't really have to teach me or tell me what to do. It was just one of those things. I had so much milk that Vader would, like, project our vomit because it would be so... Overflow. Yeah. (laughs) And so she latched no problem. Yeah. Did you have any um, pain in that first sort of 10 days of uh, your boobs getting used to it? Yeah. Yeah. Not like nipple pain, just like my boobs went from a B to a double D in two days. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you end up with stretch marks on your boobs because of that? No. That's amazing. I know. I got a lot of stretch marks on my... Like thighs and bum, though. Ignore Sam when she says that because I saw her in a cosy last weekend, and that's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) She's bullshitting. Um, There was nothing there. Um, So breastfeeding came naturally, really good. Yeah, I was really, really lucky, and I expressed all the time because I really wanted Matt to bond with her, and I really wanted to bottle feed her because I had heard of all these dramas of when you finally want to give your baby a bottle and they don't want it. So the, my nurses really encouraged me to express a bottle feed. But did you, were you concerned that she would take to the bottle more than the breast though? No. Okay. I wasn't, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Because I hadn't really heard of it or. Yeah. Um, and that didn't happen, I take it? It did when oh. she was about, because we were giving her bottles, but when she was four and a half months, she just went, no more boob. Really? Yeah. Did you still express or did you give a formula then? No, I had, I kept still expressed. And I had so much, like, frozen milk as well. Yeah. She actually had breast milk for another three months. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she still fed for seven and a half months, even though... She would not take the boob. Really? She was a pig, and she realized that the bottle is a lot less work. Okay. Yeah. And obviously faster, too. So much faster. That would have been nice to share with other people, too. Yeah. Like, not only Matt, but also your family, and sharing that with other people. And in the beginning, when I was so immobile, and I was in so much pain, like, that first six to ten weeks it was really nice because if she woke up I didn't have to jump up and I was like an old person I remember thinking I am moving so slowly so it was really nice to not feel that pressure pressure yeah Mm. Yeah. and not only just mental pressure but physical pressure of having to like you said get in and out of bed like it's hard enough getting in and out of bed pregnant let alone getting in and out of bed for a baby crying that you've just had major surgery and you've got issues with your back yeah It's it's intense so it's funny how the universe works because she you know, took a bottle. And, yeah. Yeah. And so post all of this, did you did it make you kind of go, this is the only child I ever have, like this was so traumatising, I yep. don't want any more kids? Yep. And do you think five years on you still feel that way? Yep. Really? Yep. What, about six months ago, Em and I went through a, like about a week. Of like going, we should do this. Yeah. And then we researched it and then 
I went straight off it and kind of went around in our heads for probably the total of about a month. Yeah. But no, still no. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the next day just saying, I'm, we're, not, I'm not, we're not having any more kids. Yeah. And I think everyone thought, oh, it's because it just happened like two days ago or yeah. yesterday. But even, you know, when Vader was two, Matt was like, come on, what are you thinking? And I was like, not a chance. Really? Yeah. Jeez, it really was traumatizing, hey? Yeah. And so, so, so it's surprising to me that even with Matt that you didn't decide to just to go ahead and give it a go. No. I actually got the implant on in my arm when she was six months old. Yeah. And I had to push for it because the doctors and nurses were like, you've only just had a baby. You're only 30. You're going to want another baby. You know, this is putting hormones in your body. And everyone tried to talk me out of it. Yeah. And I just had to be really adamant. Yeah. And it is interesting, still five years on, that that, was, that decision was definitely right because it was right for you at the time and it's right for you now. Yeah. That is insane. <clears throat> so what kind of baby was she besides a good feeder? What kind of baby was she as far as sleeping and so all the other good. normal stuff? So, so good. Yeah. Um, like the midwife said to me in hospital, your milk is so good that it fills her up so much that she sleeps. She settled. She settled. She had really bad reflux, though, and she was a pig, so there was so much vomit. Yeah. So much vomit. <laughs> you smelled like, like vomit for, like, six oh, months, didn't you? <laughs> sometimes I'd try and leave the house, and before we'd even left, I'd changed her outfit three times, my outfit three times, and that was my rule. If it was three times and she vomited again, I wouldn't leave the house. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> That's a great rule. So I was like, no, nah, okay, we're staying in. Unpack the bag. Settle in. Yeah. I was like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Um, no one has that much time to wash that no. much. But other than the reflux, which is not a behavioural thing, obviously, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, I got really, really lucky, and I just—it's because I was so content with being with her. Yeah, I didn't stress about anything or worry about anything. Yeah, it was just me in my head that was the thing that needed to get fixed, I guess. Yeah, and apart from that, did you have a lot of support from family and stuff around? I did. My um, my family were really close by. In fact, they were too close by my house was a drop-in center yeah um so when she was eight months old i moved (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 so i did have support but i didn't need it i didn't want it yeah i like and matt went back to going away quite a lot as well yeah so you know once she hit about four months i was on my own again a lot um i loved that so you really felt like a natural mother yeah yeah i never had to google anything of how to wrap her or anything like that i just like, I didn't connect with my body when I was pregnant, but then when she was out, I was like, I'm good at this. Yeah. yeah. Did you do the prenatal classes? To yes, they were useless. Yeah. I got nothing out of it. Not one. Not did, one. You, did you and Matt go or just yeah. you? Yeah, we both went. And not at one point did anyone say, you could have an emergency cesarean. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just never even came up. That, they said they talked a lot about that in ours. Yeah, five years must make a hell of a difference in what they told. <laughs> and your your sister's got a lot of kids, so did you take much advice from her, or did she talk much too much about it? Or yeah, prior? she's very opinionated. Yeah, so she put a lot of ideas into my head and whatnot. And did she have natural births or Caesars? First one natural, the next four were Caesars. And do they believe that the purely the reason why you didn't? Um, you didn't dilate was because she couldn't come down because of the cord around the neck? Like, is that what they think is the reason for the urgency? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when my doctor came to visit me a couple of days later, I think he was petrified that I was going to sue or something because of how all the things that kind of went wrong. And I started questioning him and just asking questions. Like Mm. I really wanted to know, like 
why did that happen to me? And he said to me, I'll never forget this, your labour was a comedy of errors. Wow, that's a really big admission by a doctor in a hospital. Yeah. Wow. So, and that was when he said to me, the cord was around her neck, you know, so you were always going to have a cesarean. So this is a really good point for people who, like me, want what you want. Mm. But at the end of the day, if something else is extenuating circumstances can just, will never change the situation. It's always going to be the outcome that you get. Yeah. He said to me, like, because I was like, what if I didn't have the epidural or had the epidural earlier? No, nothing was going to change it. You were always going to have a cesarean. Okay. That's how it was going to end. And I think, too, in the, at the end of the day, that's probably something that's more, um, I don't know, I think easier to deal with than, than the fact that her head got stuck because your pelvis was small. And Yeah, you, you can't blame yourself for it. You can't it blame yourself. Because women blame themselves for everything when it comes they to do. pregnancy and birth and parenting and kids. You always think it's your fault. And women often blame themselves for the cesarean, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, I understand why, but yeah. I also think it's such a shame that we, there's so much pressure that women put on themselves Yeah. when, unfortunately, medically, we have to just have the baby and you can't like, survive the process. Yeah. Um, how big was she born? Eight pound four. Oh, so nice size. So, or 3.7 kilos. Yeah. Yeah, she was 29.5 kilos. <laughs> she was getting all that cake. She enjoyed the cake too. <laughs> Wow, well, that is hectic. That's one of the most hectic stories I've done so far. Um, there's obviously people, every, like I said to you before, everyone's story has been so different and yeah. yours is just one of those. And, and as we said yesterday, I didn't want to talk about it prior because I really wanted to, I didn't know all the details and I'm yeah. so glad I didn't because it's so nice to hear and listen and ask questions because this stuff is so valuable to people who are about to go through it because you just don't know. Yeah, and after I had her, I went through this phase of wanting to tell everyone that was pregnant or ever going to have a baby my story. Yeah. And then I was like, don't tell anyone because you'll scare the shit out of them. Like, so... I couldn't disagree more. Like, my girl, I've got another girlfriend who had a pretty traumatic Caesar and she had said to me, oh, I don't know if I want to share because I don't want to scare people. I'm like, no, it's not scaring, it's preparing. Yeah, because knowledge is power. Absolutely. And I think, as I've said before, everyone's story is will contribute to my story because no matter how different my story is going to be, someone has going to have gone through a portion of it. Yeah, one tiny part of it. Yeah. So even if I, you know, like say, like going, <laughs> what if my waters break at Terrigal? Which won't happen because <laughs> I don't like Terrigal, but um, I don't go there. They could, they could happen at a Thai restaurant. Go, it could happen in Coles. <laughs> um, I'm just not leaving the house for the next three days. <laughs> It will happen in bed. <laughs> I told you, my good mattress um, protector. <laughs> um, so, oh my god, that's a really amazing story. Um, we might tie it up with my questions that I ask. Sure. Um, so, what was your? I know you were saying that your being pregnant kind of just cruised by, but did you have a favorite part of being pregnant? Ah, oh, this is probably not going to sound very nice, but. I really liked the first four months because I didn't feel pregnant. Yeah. I just felt like me. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was riding a moped around and I just felt like a hungry version of me. Yeah. And that was really nice. It was when I got really big, I was like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is an out-of-body experience. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's different. Um, what didn't you enjoy? Off the back of that, what didn't you enjoy about being pregnant? So the last part, did you enjoy the movement of the baby or not really? 
Yeah, I didn't mind it. I it was a bit of a novelty thing for yeah. me. Like I was like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. I didn't enjoy like I love freedom of movement. Yeah, for myself. So I didn't enjoy trying to drive with a like just that real cumbersome. I feel like a giant oaf. Yeah, I didn't enjoy that. Okay, and I guess being bigger than like. <laughs> I'm not criticizing, but but having put on the extra weight as well, you really would have been more cumbersome than if you had to just put on ten kilos. Like yeah, like I was, I've always been the same small, size. Yeah. Small, like I've always been the same size, the size ten. So yeah. then I was like, what is this? Like, yeah, giant undies. undies. <laughs> <laughs> um, what didn't you expect about pregnancy that occurred for you? Uh, Actually, falling pregnant, really, because well, yeah. <laughs> all of it. The whole thing. Um, oh, I didn't expect, like I, when I said I was really relaxed, yeah. so I'm a really like high energy, full on, like I rush a lot, yeah. but I was so calm and vague. Like I hate shopping, but I'd go to the shops and spend eight hours just wondering. picking things up and wandering around. Like everyone just called me the fat, happy, cruisy lady. <laughs> like, just so, so I didn't expect that. Yeah. And I don't, I'll never feel that again. Because it and I think, took me. I think, too, your hormones do make you vague, for sure. But I think they've definitely probably relaxed me as well, especially the last six months. Yeah, yeah. Once you actually kind of feel okay after all that – well, for me, once I felt okay after knowing the baby was okay, you do fall into a cruisy state. So relaxed. Yeah. I was just jolly. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Wasn't even Christmas. <laughs> um, what is the thing – or things that you wish someone had have told you prior to going through this whole process. That you could have an emergency cesarean. Yeah. And it might look like this, this or this. Um, that you could have like really like mental, you can feel not right mentally after you have the baby. I yeah. thought I'd have her and it would all be rosy and, in my head. And your situation too wasn't even like the doctor said, it wasn't postnatal. No. It was completely trauma-based. Yeah. So that really swept me under the carpet. Like that really took me by surprise. Um, it was just mainly the whole cesarean thing because I had in my head I was going to be walking around the block with her when she was two weeks old. And I know that sounds like a stupid thing, but I was, when I was talking to the counsellor and the psychologist, they were like, what are you most upset about with a cesarean? I was like, I can't walk. I can't take her to the park. They're like you've, they said to me, you've got your whole life to do that. And I was like, yeah, but in my head, I'll be doing it now. Honestly, I feel the same way about that. Like, I feel like the mobility after having a baby, whether it's just being at home or walking around the block, I think is a luxury that you assume you're going to get. Yeah. Because I would hate not to be able to just, especially because, yeah, especially because I was so fit prior. I'm really looking forward to going back to exercising as per normal. And I know that will come after weeks, but I can completely understand that reasoning for you. Yeah. Because I would hate to be restricted by not just ducking around the block for a walk and, and being out in the sunshine with a baby yeah. and having a baby and having a pram. Like it sounds yeah. silly, but those that's kind exactly, of things. That's exactly it. Yeah. That was, I was devastated. So I, I can under, totally understand that. Yeah. I, that's what I wish someone had told me. How has being a mother changed you? I never had fear before, really fearless person and would didn't really value my safety and of existence. Yeah. But I really do now. Yeah. Because I've got something and someone to really live for. Yeah. Um 
it's made me way more patient. <laughs> um, it's made me be a lot more fun. Really? Like, I, I didn't think I was ever, like, an unfun person, but... I think now because it's her age too, like I just love being silly. And when you've got a child, it brings out the inner child. So the silliness that I feel from being a mum is awesome. There are things that, apart from the patience thing, there are things that no one has said to me before. They're the really lovely different things. (laughs) I like it. Um, How has becoming a father changed Matt? Oh, God. (laughs) Um... He's evolved more as a parent in the last 12 months. Yeah. I think the first two years, he didn't change. Um, like, and I really mean it. So he just got on with his life. Got on with his life. and had a baby at home. Yeah. Um, so I really see him as a dad now, more in the last 12 months. And it's just, um, I don't like to say he's a selfish person, but he only ever thinks about himself. But he's a kind person and a generous person. But in the last 12 months, I can see these a lot more selfless because of Vader. I wonder whether that comes with some men can't quite connect with the the younger child. You know what I mean? Yep. Like some guys are much better when they can toss a kid around and... Do fun stuff. Yeah. He used to say that to me. She doesn't do anything fun. <laughs> yeah. But I can understand that, I guess. Yeah. Because I think that's a really common thing for some mm-hmm. men. Yeah. And the baby, the first baby stage is such a... Not boring. I don't think it's boring, but I think for them, they're bystanders. Yeah. Because there's not a lot they can do while you've just got to get up and get down. They've got to go to work. You've got to feed the baby, change the baby. You know, most women are the ones who do all of that stuff. Yeah. So it can be easily, I think, for men to an easy thing to become detached from it. Yeah, disconnected from yeah. the whole process, the whole routine, and all the changes. So yeah, it's definitely been the last twelve months that he's so engaged. And that I feel like finally she's a priority to him. That's awesome. Before, before that, I'd never felt like that. Yeah. She was a priority to me always, but I would have to remind him yeah. that she's a priority. So that's definitely how it's changed him. That's great. <clears throat> um, do you both see eye to eye on parenting? Yes. That's great. Yeah. I like that very definitive answer. That's yes. Great. Yeah, we do. And more so since being divorced. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um I think when we were living under the same roof, I was very my way, my way, my way. And it's because I was alone with her a lot. Yeah. So I felt like I had the right to do make all the rules. Yeah. Um, but being separated and obviously having shared custody, he makes up some rules that he likes. I make up some rules that I like, but we always come back in the middle with morals. Great. Um, and responsibility and that sort of thing. But we definitely see eye to eye. We talk every single day in regards to Vader and things that happen and things that we expect and things that we want. You're very lucky in that your relationship with him is good yeah. because it's, it is a shame that a lot of people who do split up don't have the luxury, well, it's not a luxury, but don't have the joy of sharing their child still and staying on the same path. Obviously, some people often use children as a reason for dispute and it's so nice that you guys haven't done that. I feel like we have the best divorce in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was definitely some hard times, of course. Yeah. There always is. But when it comes to Vader, my God, we just, we are best mates. And so I'm gonna, I've am i got two more questions, but I want to just, while we're in this parenting talk discussion, how has having ha- had another partner come into your life, how has, parent, has parenting changed for you 
because you now live with someone else who isn't the parent of your child absolutely yeah absolutely like sometimes I feel like it's a juggle for me of you know Vader's feelings and Emma's feelings and my feelings and I'm trying to juggle that like everyone's emotional security yeah um which can be a bit challenging at times um Vader was very young when Emma and I got together she was three yeah um so we're very lucky that she doesn't ever remember Matt and I being in the same house yeah um so it is challenging but I think the rewards of Vader having a third guardian or influence yeah like the joys and the amazing parts of that definitely outweigh like the sometimes little difficult moments that we have do you feel comfortable allowing someone else to because I know you went obviously I know both of you so well but do you find that you're happy for Emma to make parenting statements to a child like to your child or does that happen or do you find that it's still mostly you it's mostly me um and we said in the beginning we will never force their relationship yeah it will be when both of them are ready. Yeah. Um, so I've never forced Em to look after Vader or force Vader to, you know, stay with Emma or yeah. whatever. I expect both of them to respect each other and speak kindly to each other, you know, especially Vader. She, I would never let her talk badly to Emma or anything. Um, but just as time's gone on and more recent in the last couple of months – Vader's felt a lot more comfortable yeah. with M being a parent figure. Yeah. Um, and it's just flowed really, really naturally. And that I pay us for that because we haven't forced it. I think it's such an intuitive way to look at it too because so many people, especially going into a female relationship, like so many people would assume that Emma would be maternal and want to play that kind of mother role, but she's not like that. No, not at all. She is amazing with children and she loves children but she also really respects, I think, you as being the parent and yep. her being as the background person that supports you. 100%. Do you know what I mean? Like, 100%. you guys got such a beautiful balance that way. And you really have done it well because I've sort of seen the whole process as well and it really has evolved so beautifully. Yeah. it's And, and really, um, it's evolved just naturally. There's Like you said, there's been no force on either side for anybody. And especially Vader, she has had to find her thoughts and her understanding of the situation and it's just come so naturally yeah and you know when she does feel things like some days she just won't she doesn't want to hang out with him like she's like she'll say like you know mummy or daddy or whatever and em goes yep that's fine yeah she doesn't want me today that's fine she doesn't need to have me today yeah she loves you and matt yeah you're her parents i'm not yeah and so em doesn't take offense to that no. and i don't push vader to you know, so we've got a really good... You really, really do. Really good balance. It is... And it's due to all of you. Like, it's not due to Emma just being awesome. Yeah, we all her. actively Absolutely. definitely try to make this as harmonious as possible, especially yeah. for Vader. Yeah. yeah. So incredible. So we've discussed public versus private, which is one of my questions. Um, I'm assuming that you were happy with the services that you received and how, like, how your process at the sand went down. Oh, my gosh. Like... Aside from the labour and the comedy of errors, <clears throat> do you know what? After that 24-hour period, the doctors meant nothing to me. The midwives and their love and support and their insight yeah. to my experience. If by any chance I ever decided to have another baby, I wouldn't go public for that reason. The fact that I, I wanted that room on my own and I just the midwives were brilliant with 
years of experience I just yeah and, and the food the food was so good <laughs> <laughs> most people say to me that the midwives like and it's funny because as you know I'm trying to hold out to not have my baby till my doctor gets back because I love her but I also every single person says to me how great the midwives are and yeah. that they make the experience and I know that going into this but I also know that um, because mine's been a bit of a journey I really need just it's almost like I need as a as an adult my mum on the other end of the phone that I can go hey mum just wanted to hear your voice kind of thing I feel yeah. like that's how I feel about my doctor yeah um but I have heard such wonderful she's your things. security blanket she is yeah but at the same time as I do know that the midwives are the ones who play such an, a massively important role in what's about to happen yeah so I love that I love the I love the praise the midwives get because I think nurses are so important just in general if I ever meet them like if anyone ever comes into my work and says that they're a midwife or a nurse I just out their feet I'd cuddle them like throw throw my arms around them yeah yeah that's amazing forever grateful now your final tip for me on my due date (laughs) what do I need to know today going forward to having my baby on Saturday because that's when it's going to come um that you could have an emergency cesarean and it's not going to be your fault yeah that you might not be able to go to the park two weeks after. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like you and I are so different in our journeys because you are so in tune with your body and this baby and you have felt every single moment, mm-hmm. which I wasn't like that. So my advice to myself if I was going back again would be... It's not necessarily to me, it's to, to pregnant women, really. Yeah, to be try and be really in tune with your body because I look back and I feel like I missed it. Yeah, I feel like it, I just didn't think about it enough. So try to be in tune with your body because I think maybe if I was, I could have had a bit more of a say in my labour and I might have been a bit more... I don't know. It's always what-ifs, isn't it? It I is. I feel like I might have been a bit more... Not in control, but... I might have just felt it more. Yeah. Rather than just let it happen to me. Yeah. Um, and... Just cuddle and kiss your baby as many times as you want because it's yours and you can. I love it. Um, for everyone out there, I sent a message out to some of my friends to say, give me some questions, on, uh, some guesses on due date, um, weight, all those kind of things that just to put in my baby book. And I said, I said at the end of it, if you get it right, you get a high five because I really don't, it's really not a thing, obviously. Just it's just a nice thing to have in the baby book. And Sam wrote back in the text message, what her guesses were then wrote um i don't want a high five i just want to cuddle the baby whatever i want and i'm like of course <laughs> that's a given i thought the high five was something special <laughs> i don't want to have i don't want a high five i just want to cuddle your baby <laughs> um well thank you so much for sharing today it was really emo- i didn't expect to get emotional with you like it was i kind of didn't expect that and i think that's the whole this is why i love doing this so much because it really is people don't understand your backstory as yeah. a female. And I think that we don't, as you said, you would thought that it was best not to talk about it where I think it's the total opposite. And I think that you cannot be armed with more information that going into something that you can't prepare for than hearing every possible scenario and outcome. So I really, really appreciate you sharing today because it was really emotional. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
Um, so yeah, it was it was really moving for me, and um, I've really really enjoyed today. I think you're like probably the only person in the world that knows the whole story, other than Matt. Well, not now. <laughs> Bloody hell, not now. I was just saving it. <laughs> You've um, saved it for a great thing, so thank you for sharing it with me and with all the women out there who are going to listen to this because I think it really is so valuable for everyone that's going to hear your story. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for asking me. It's oh, been love, an absolute pleasure. I love you. Better out than in. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you so much. You. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sam's podcast today. I am certain you will have enjoyed it as much as I did recording it. I'm not quite sure how great I've been with my consistency of uploads um, because I've done this obviously in advance before I've had baby. Um, But being that I will have baby out in the world now, I'm sure I will have shared those details on my Facebook page. And I really can't wait to share my own story with you because this will be the last podcast I record prior to my own delivery and birth story. If you would like to get in touch with me, um, you can reach me at smallbirthproject at gmail.com or via my Facebook page, Small Birth Project. But please keep an eye out there because I will give you the details of my um, birth, as well, I guess my my baby and when baby arrives and all the details. Um, If you have a minute, I'd love you to jump onto iTunes and give me a five-star review as this really helps other women out there looking for supportive birth stories to find this podcast more easily. I can't wait to share my own story with you. Thank you so much again for listening. I hope you have a great week and I hope things have been great for you during your journeys as well. And I really cannot wait to share my story with you. Take care.